Hi, I'm Kristen Brunius, and this is the Overcomers Podcast. I am so excited for you to hear the stories of incredible people overcoming trials and turning them into triumphs. From everyday moms and dads to entrepreneurs to community leaders and beyond, you'll see how everyone has a story of overcoming, and those stories are what connect us all. Let's hop right in. We are here. Welcome to the Overcomers Podcast. I am super excited. I've got my friend John Ipema here with us, and I think you guys are going to love what he has to say. We've actually uh, been sitting here for almost an hour being like, oh, we should really start recording. We should really start recording because he just has that kind of personality. So, John, I'm going to throw it to you. Um, how I always like to start this is just to say, how the heck do we know each other? So I have been friends with your husband since we were very young. We went to church together growing up, and that's how we originally met. Um, So I met you through your husband, and we clicked pretty quick for some of the things that were going on, and we became very good friends. There's things that I um, talked to talk to Kristen here about that sorry we're supposed to forget we're recording <laughs> but uh that I talked to that I talked to you about that I don't talk to that I know that you can relate with that I wouldn't say to most people yeah only because I know that um uh, and we'll we'll end up talking about a little bit about this but um people think that it's crazy and you yeah. know, and you know where I'm coming from yeah yeah so um we both kind of awesome. tend to have more of like that open mind you know, like we don't we don't see the world as black and white. We're able to see the gray. And I think some of that comes because you're a very compassionate person. Like you always want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, even sometimes when they're honestly not deserving of it. Because there's been times in your life when there's been people who have given you the benefit of the doubt. Um, and for me, too. And... Um, but yeah, sometimes we get together, my husband and John and I, and what do we say? We're going to solve the problems of the world. <laughs> yeah, we're going to solve the world's problems. <laughs> Does anything ever happen with that? I'm not really sure. <laughs> Don't know if we solve much, but it is a good time. <laughs> yeah, but there's a, there's a lot of laughs and uh, we drink a lot of coffee and uh, yeah, we we have a good time, but... Yes. So I know one of the things that made us click really quick was um, when uh, uh, you were the one of the first people that um, I could talk to about like the anxiety stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's something I've always had a hard time talking to people about because I'm a, a male with the anxiety. Yeah. And when you try to talk to people about those things, they don't relate. Well, it's and, and you point out something that is stupidly a challenge is like there's like this perception that if you're a male that you for some reason shouldn't struggle with mental illness when I feel like sometimes it's kind of like the opposite because like how do I say this because I'm not trying to be like a total sexist but the men carry so much responsibility and, you know, in their role in the family, like we were, we were just joking about, um, marital finances and <laughs> I won't go into too much of that, but so somehow the, the guy always has to figure things out. Right. Um, and can I just point out for those of you guys who are listening, 
one thing I said to John when we were talking earlier is that he says the anxiety and not my anxiety. And that's something that is almost like nails on a chalkboard for me because so many people personify it. They own it. They say, well, my anxiety has been so bad. And really, um, what, what analogy did I use? Um, that it's like your sickness. Like yeah. If you were if you're sick with anything else, you wouldn't say it's your sickness. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, oh, my, my stomach flu or my cold. You would say a cold or the stomach flu. So I don't know. There's just something, maybe it comes from the nerdy side of me being a former English teacher where I think there's, there's really power in words when you yeah. say the versus my, you're saying it's a thing that I struggle with, but it's not mine. It's it's not well. And what I what I've seen is that so many people have it. They just a lot of people. It's funny because they'll insist. It's something with the word. Mm-hmm. And like so, like most of the guys I know will not admit about anxiety. They 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 will be dead set again. No no no. No, I don't have that problem. And then they talk about what's going on, and you can right away. It's like you know that that's what it, it is is going on. Yep. And then in my experience, I've seen so many people that self medicate. Yep. Which I mean. That was one of the big things that we were going to talk about, and we we were kind of also joking before we got on that I was like, John, why are all my friends addicts? <laughs> <laughs> In various ways, shapes, and forms, and I've struggled with my own forms of addiction, but um, John is one of the first people I thought of when I thought of this podcast overcoming, because I've seen you come overcome Many, many layers of things. Um, I think you've seen it come back and then I have to fight it again. This happened. It's, yeah. I've gone through it. Yeah. And it's, you know, as your friend, it's been an honor to stand by you through that. Now, I mean, my husband has stood by you for, I don't know, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. But I've only been a part of part of your life for the last, how long have we been friends? 15 years? Uh, yeah, it's been about 15, 14, 15 years. 14, 15 yeah, when years. Yeah, when we moved from Illinois to Indiana. Right, right. And then that's when we really got closer because uh, um, Dave, when we moved, Dave was the, I mean, we were already close friends. Right. But the distance kind of drew us apart a little bit. And then when we moved to Indiana, we were way closer. And so we were able to yeah. hang out and talk to each other and like, what we couldn't do when it was right. when we were an hour and a half away from each other. Right. And, and if I remember correctly, the move from Illinois to Indiana was because you needed to get away from the for, crowd. From the crowd, from family, from the politics of it, from everything. Yeah. I could not stand it. It was, I literally can't say I mean the best thing the best analogy I can give my head was in a vice. Yeah. And I, I mean, and that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. And I just had to get away from all that. Yeah. And the best, the, the, like if, and I say family, like I love my family and everything like that, but sometimes distance is good. Well, boundaries. <laughs> we'll say, we'll say Healthy boundaries. boundaries. Healthy boundaries. Because, you know, we all love our families. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I hope this for my kids too. I hope that they, they're like, mom, I love you, but um, I'm living my own life and I need some healthy space from you. And I think that's healthy. Well, and I, and, and, and that's my biggest problem is, yeah. is, is the boundaries because they always, I, I always shift up the boundaries. I've talked about this to people before um, because what I end up doing is associates to me are friends all the time mm-hmm. and they're not, they're associates right. and the friends end up, I treat them like family and I shouldn't, you know, and then the family I treat like person, like my family, right. like, like, I mean, 
like, like there's a there's st- yeah exactly mm-hmm. and uh no that's not i mean it's there's i gotta notch it down well, that's <laughs> where the compassion comes yeah. in john yeah because that's just who you are but it leads you to getting hurt a lot it, it it does and and knowing that um the healthy boundaries they have to yes. be set is a good yeah. thing I mean, it's, it's hurt me in business. It's hurt me in certain spots. But I've learned from that, like, wait a minute, you know. Let's pull it back a little bit. Yeah. And one thing that was said to me um, from a counselor once upon a time was she said, boundaries are for you, not for other people. So let's say, like she used this example. She said, um, let's say if it's your boundary that um, you are off work at 4 p.m. every day, but then you answer the phone after 4 p.m., and you get mad because they called you after 4 p.m. That's not their fault. That's your fault because you didn't honor your boundary. Yep. And a lot of times when people set up boundaries, it's almost like they throw the responsibility on other people. Well, you should know. I told you. Well, no. It's for us to hold up. But let's take it back a minute and let's let's talk a little bit about the anxiety and the addiction. And, um, you know, the addiction was really... I'd say a cover up for the anxiety, but let's go back to the beginning. When, when did, you know, addiction kind of become something in your life? When did you make the connection with anxiety? Tell us the story. So, um, I I was about 13 just before, just before high school is when it really started to pick up. And I, um, I couldn't put a finger on what was going on, Mm -hmm. but, um, Started falling in with the wrong crowd and drinking and uh, doing drugs and doing other things. Um, just made me feel better. And um, the nature of me is I'm a fixer. So when um, things feel good, it's fixed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know. So it's that's, like yeah. that dopamine boost. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, if it feels good, do it again. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. And, um... um it led into drinking a lot, and the drink, and then I, I I stopped doing most drugs just because uh, when I turned after I turned twenty because it was just easier to drink. You know, you could go to the bar, you could go to the liquor store. It's a lot easier to drink than it is to, and and just it's more comfortable. It's more socially acceptable. You just go get a case of beer, you right. know, <laughs> right. and then um, that turned into every day. Yeah, yeah, including mornings. I mean, it, people don't realize how bad alcohol is. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I see it. I mean, I've seen people, I mean, within a year, uh, what it does to them, the body and everything. I mean, and, and I know it because your joints hurt. You, you can't move. Like, I mean, it is, it is honestly, and, 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 and other people, I mean, you, you have a drink every once in a while. It's no big deal. People like me, it's not for me. Um, um, because it makes the anxiety go, go away. Yeah. And, um. Uh, when I went to groups for, um, for the drinking, which helped me a lot was, uh, I noticed that the, the, the common theme for everybody was the same thing. It's almost all anxiety hmm. and people don't even realize it they, they, because we've been into this idea of what anxiety is. And like when you said it, it's, it's a mental illness, I, I hate when people refer yeah. to it as that. I, yeah. I don't like it because I personally think it's a trait. It's like a behavior. It's a behavior. Mm-hmm. But I think that we're all meant to be like, um, we were talk, uh, We talk about the fight or flight stuff. Yeah. And so when you go back into human nature, there's certain spots where we all fit into. But as society has moved along, those spots no longer exist. Um, 
for like for myself, I like I, I mean I'm I'm you more of I'm more comfortable being a late starter and a late and working late, <laughs> you know. And um, back in society, if we were like not in like if we were in say like um, what do I want to say like a tribe mentality, mm-hmm. you needed those people around. Mm-hmm. And um, I know like with like for me. For many of the people that are around me, the business with business and stuff, that's looked at as a bad thing. Wake up early. The early bird gets the worm. All this. You're looked at as lazy. Yeah, you're looked at as lazy. Like you sleep in too long, like that. And um, and no, I just uh, I'm I'm I like to start later. I like to work later. Right. You know, I get the ball rolling, and the ball just keeps rolling, and I don't want to shut it off. And um, um. So um. I started to realize with the anxiety, I, it got to a point where I just had to stop drinking. Yeah. I mean, it was it, it was bad. I had to the the withdrawal. I was going through withdrawals bad. Well, and let so, me let me stop you right there, yeah. and let's go into a little bit more detail. So you kind of started messing around with drugs and alcohol when you were thirteen, which like. Oof. I have a thirteen-year-old. So I know. I'm like, I look at my kids and I'm like, oh no. I know. I know, <laughs> I know what I was doing at that I mean, age, and I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Um, I do believe, like, where we were growing up in the suburbs of Chicago and what was going on in the '90s kind of pushed that along. But where? So, like, the questions that come to my mind, like, where were you getting it? How often were you drinking? How did it rev up to a point where you were drinking every day and Weren't you also distributing, selling? Yes, when uh, I was um, uh, it, when I was a teenager, we I was uh, we I knew where to get everything. Yeah, and so people would come to me, and that was my way of paying for it. I didn't have to pay for stuff. I mean, well, yeah. I'd get it for free, and I'd have a little cash on the side, you know. Right, and that's how it, that's how it goes, you know. And that's one of the ways I I know someone who that's what they did to in order to hide it is. They buy it and then they sell it at a greater price so that it doesn't look like any money's gone. Yeah. And then when you have that, the problem, like for somebody like me, is when you have that connection, you don't want to lose the connection. Mm-hmm. So even when you know you shouldn't be doing it and you don't want to, it's in the pity, it's in the back of your mind that I might want to at some point. You don't want to lose that connection. Right. And so you'll get it just to keep the connection. Keep the connection. Yeah. And so that's when I finally was had enough with drugs. Um, because... Um, some legal problems and things like yeah. I'm getting caught with with uh, uh, I didn't get caught with it. I, I got caught with uh, marijuana and stuff like that like right. um, which is funny now because I look back at it and they were like they treated like back then they treated like what they, we treat heroin today yeah it's insane yeah. and now it's now it's no big deal <laughs> right, right. and um um and what happened was is I the easiest way to stop was to get rid of the connections. Right. But when the connections were gone, that's probably that that is where I think I started drinking more because you don't need a connection for alcohol. No, you don't. You can go to the store anywhere you want and go and get what you want, and when it's empty, you can just go get more. <laughs> right. Right, and it's it's fairly inexpensive too. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's cocaine, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think cocaine is pretty expensive. Cocaine is pretty expensive. Uh, the funny part is you say it's uh, alcohol is is fairly inexpensive. It's funny because it was our accountant that told me that uh, when we were going over our taxes one time that I got to cut back on the oh, alcohol no. expense. <laughs> and uh, that's when my solution was is uh, I bought a uh, keg, keg, oh a gosh, keg and made it into a kegerator. <laughs> so I figured I'd just buy in bulk. 
That's, uh, you're always one time <laughs> to everything. It's a, yeah. So if uh, it's too expensive, we'll just get it cheaper that way. That led into drinking even more and more oh and more. Gosh. And uh, and then I would end up in order to get rid of the shaking and stuff in the morning, and have to start drinking again. Right away in the morning. Yeah. I'd have to because you could, I couldn't function. And I think one of the problems with me is I am like a workaholic. I like working all the time. And so a lot of people didn't even like hanging out with me when we were drinking, when I was drinking, because I don't like sitting around and drinking. I like working. Right. And so, and I could fit, I could mesh those two together. I could be drinking and be busy in the garage the whole time while I'm working. And well, that's what I wanted to sort of paint the picture of. Like even, you know, you went to a Christian school till your sophomore year. Yeah. So church going family, went to a Christian school, always had jobs, very successful, great work work ethic, very bright guy, very smart. And even, you know, when you stopped doing the drugs and um, started drinking more, like like you said, you're a workaholic and that's another thing that people don't realize that anxiety and those who, um, like me yeah. <laughs> and John, uh, there's there's a level of being a workaholic that it's almost like you need to do more and more and more and more. Yeah. Like you can't stop. But I wanted to stop and paint that picture so it wasn't like you were some like lazy drunk, no offense. To but I think that's what excelled it even more. Because yes. how, do you re- how do most people realize that they have a problem? They end up being broke. They end up not having a place to live. You know, the problems come about with it, which I never had those problems because I was always working, making money. And so it didn't cause the financial problems in that that most people end up experiencing. Yeah. And you were a fully functioning. Yeah. It wasn't really funny. I I don't (laughs) want to say that either. I think that's the way they would classify it. I mean, like that's what the world would say, but that's not... And, what your heart said. Yeah, and what really pulled the ropes in on that was uh, it started to really cause problems at home with my yeah. wife. And um, I, and looking back on it, I, I mean, I feel bad for what I did to her because she's the, the alcoholism in her family has been really bad. Yeah. And uh, uh, family members dying and stuff like that. It's just it's horrible. Just, and so for her to be seeing that is just terrible. Yeah. And um, and and watching it progress the way it did, it was just a terrible. Yeah. Terrible thing. And that's really where the really the, the biggest thing that made me stop is um, I realized my credibility was gone. Hmm. I was accused of things that I didn't do and um, nobody would listen to me. If, if you smell like alcohol, I'm telling you right now, nobody, nobody listens to you. <laughs> and any story, any side of the story you have is just out the window. And um, um that was that, that was the end for me. It was like I need that credibility back because like um at one point and I can even talk about it. Like at one point we had a uh, um a former employee. This was years ago and he was angry with me about uh, a paycheck or something. I forget what it was, but he said I owed him money or something like that, which we had no record of. We have no idea what he was talking about. And it wasn't even a big amount of money. It was like $20 or something like that. It was, it was like ridiculous, but, um, he, the guy, what ha- oh, I do actually remember a little bit more. He kept coming back and saying that I kept owing him money. And even after I gave him the little bit of money he was asking for, he'd come back a week later saying, no, you were still wrong. You owe me this money again. And finally, I was like, you, gotta, you have to leave. He ended up coming to my house and um, coming after me with a baseball bat. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I ended up getting arrested. I was the one who got arrested. And as much as I explained what, because ha- I ended up beating the guy up. 
<clears throat> he approached me with a baseball bat. I was just defending myself. I ended up in court, and um, it was it was a nightmare. And um, but no matter how much I explained what happened, no one would listen to me. Yeah. And um, that was and, and that, that that kind of stuff was what. That wasn't the last thing that happened. I really don't want to talk about the last thing yeah. that happened. But um, that was one of the last... That was the, uh, essentially that same situation was happening over and over again. Right. And and it's like they're, they're questioning your integrity. It, absolutely. And that was... That hurt the worst. Yeah. Because uh, I, do, I, I absolutely hate dishonesty. Yeah. And, I mean, if you can't trust... If there's somebody that you can't trust, I don't want them around. Yeah. Um... I mean, it's, you got to be able to trust people. Yeah. So how exactly, like, you know, there's so many people that might be listening or that are out there that are like, yeah, I totally get it. Nobody listens to me. I smell like alcohol all the time. I wake up in the morning and need to start drinking, you know, and I hate it because John, you hated it. Yeah. Like, I remember you, like crying out for help you went to the church you went to friends you would text us you hated it but you can't no i shouldn't say can't it's hard to stop so what how did how were you able to stop drinking the first time the first time so fortunately i went through I've been. In, I went to rehab many times for that kind of stuff. I, uh, from when I was younger, I was always wrapped up in legal problems, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they would always end up. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've been into rehab and stuff like that for for that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and um, um, and it wasn't voluntarily. So you go in and do what they wanted you to do, just so that you could get out again and do your own thing. And um, uh, oh, where were we going with this? I'm sorry. What was how, the question how were you able to quit? Oh, um, that credibility thing st- stuck me so bad. Yeah. That that insult to my integrity and like that that was the kind of stuff that made you feel like you were in the twilight zone, and that I just couldn't I couldn't handle living that way anymore. So I ended up going to I knew right where to go when I, when I had to stop. So uh, you went to a rehab? I went no I went to AA. Right, right. Okay. I I I've been to rehab so many times. It doesn't. It didn't do anything for didn't me. Didn't do anything. No, no. Because I figured out what they do. They they bring you into rehab. The thirty days are up. It's not because you're healthy in thirty days. It's because the insurance doesn't pay anymore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's why. That's why. That's why the treatment is only thirty days. It has nothing to do with the health of you. It has to do with they're not getting paid anymore. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, there's no magic thirty day number that you all of a sudden everybody's cured. <laughs> no. So I knew right where to go, and I just started go, going to AA, and I really started following and listening to what people. Were saying i remember going in there with my notebook i wasn't required to go there by court at the time um um but i uh was getting signatures to show that i was going because i was trying to rebuild that integrity side so if anybody said that i wasn't there here's the paperwork (laughs) you know what i mean um not that anybody was even going to ask it also helped me stay accountable that i just kept going and i literally i mean it was nice because there was a place by us in mokina that had aa meetings all day long, anytime, anytime. You could go at two in the morning, and there was an AA meeting going on. Like, uh, I mean, it was it was it, it, so like it, you couldn't say it didn't fit in your schedule. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> um, and I actually love I, I loved going. It was great, and um, that following it to a T and understanding that I wasn't alone. Then I started to see all of a sudden the credibility coming back 
Yeah. And it reinforced it because the people couldn't say what they were saying before that, you know, um, that, oh, you just didn't know what was going on, right. <laughs> you know, right. and they couldn't say that stuff anymore. And uh, that was fantastic. Um, now, I don't know if you want to go into how it started again or. Well, I mean, before we go, before we go into that, tell me a little bit more about AA because there's, correct me if I'm wrong, there's seven steps. Twelve. Twelve steps. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what was it about AA that you think specifically worked? Or I guess what I'm trying to say is like, almost like what I'm hearing from you it was a classic case of like, it'll work when you're ready. Yes. I think that what it did to me was, all right, the same problems keep happening over and over and over and over and over again. Right. And for me, it wasn't like we were talking about. It wasn't the money problems. And that's what I always associated with the problems. You can't say that I have a problem. We're doing just fine. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, but the same other problems kept coming about. The legal issues, other things. And what um, the saying just keeps coming to my head. Um, Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, it wasn't going to go away. I like the way Grant Cardone says it. He says, yeah. wherever you be, there, or wherever you go, there you be. <laughs> <laughs> the grammar of that. Yeah. So, uh. <laughs> so you were sober for, I'd say, 10 years? Yeah, it was just under 10 years. Just under 10 years. We, we went through... Pretty crazy time in 2020. Yeah. 2021. The, uh, what really triggered the um, me going back was uh, it was a business relationship with a friend. Yeah. And um, that uh, it was once again sending me into that credibility part because mm-hmm. he was throwing off a lot of that cre- credibility. Even though I was um, sober. Um, it got me to a point for some reason you, you, you start like questioning the reality of things like, because some people are, I mean, toxic people can do that to you. Narcissistic people Narcissistic, can make yeah. you question your reality. Yeah. And it, it starts driving you crazy. And then what it does to me is the anxiety starts picking up. Uh, oh, I, I, I would like to go back to that though, because what I realized when I got, when I stopped drinking, I was also seeing a very good doctor. Mm. who when I started explaining the symptoms of when I drink and why I drink and what happens and everything, he was the one who um, cued me into the anxiety. Mm. And um, he's the one who actually started telling me that I was self-medicating. And what we need to do is get to the root of the problem and then you won't have that urge. And um, when it happened... Uh, when the problems with, uh, when I started focusing on that and realizing that, I actually got on medication for the anxiety. And I really, I honestly, I did not have the urge to drink whatsoever. That's amazing. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. Uh, and I started reading into it more, started studying about the anxiety. I remember the first thing that I said to the doctor was that uh, it's the conversation in my head. I can't shut the conversation in my head. I can't shut it off. Now, it's funny because that's one of the things that I was so afraid to talk to people about. Right. Because... You talk to people about that, and even in a legal sense, they'll, they'll, they can lock you up for that. <laughs> because I actually know of people who have been <laughs> locked up for that. And yeah. so it's afraid. And so that's like the stigma around society. Like, you don't talk about those things. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the truth is, is that it's, I started reading more and more, and everyone does it. It's self-talk. Everyone does it. And so there's nothing, there's nothing insane about it. <laughs> I literally 
just read in a, I was telling you about this book I'm reading. It's called the, I think it's called the Battle for Your Mind. Literally <coughs> read in that book last night that we spend up to two hours a day in self-talk in your head. Yeah. Two hours. That's that's like the national average. Okay, John and I, I might it's be like ten, eight hours. Seven, <laughs> ten, somewhere there. But but yeah. But you can, I could see how people can, especially when you're in legal situations, people can twist that and uh, use it against you. Well, and, and then the only real tool that I had to stop that is I stay busy. Yeah. And that was also getting stigmatized as wrong as well. And um, it made it, so, I mean, how do you cope? Right. Do you know? I mean, I, I mean, so, and, and that's exactly what started happening to me again. And I knew when I started. When, when I relapsed, I knew exactly what I was doing. It was that conversation. I mean, it was driving me so crazy. I mean, and, and we just said like 8 to 10. At that time, it was going like almost 24-7. I mean, I was staying up for like three days straight, just kept doing things just to try to stop it. And um, I ended up knowing what I was doing. I did it intentionally. And what I was, I just wanted to shut it up. Yeah. And I knew exactly what would do it. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I, I mean, I remember it like it was like yesterday. It was like I went to the store and I got the, uh, it's uh, white rum. That's what I like. And yeah. uh, I bought the bottle and it wasn't like I like drank a little, like had a shot. It was like I drank half the bottle right there. Yeah. <laughs> but even in that moment, you reached out for help. Yeah. Because I know you reached out to me. You reached out to my husband. You've reached out to other people. You knew what you were doing. Um. You didn't want to do it, John. I know. I but I didn't know but but I knew this once again, the fixer. Yeah. The problem's there, I know how to fix it. Right. <laughs> you know, I, the, pro, the 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 what goes along with that is I know the problems that come with that. Right. And um the problem isn't going to go away. Right. Um, f- um so um it started leading to those problems again at home. Mm. And the issue started coming up again. Every problem that came about was because of drinking. Yeah. It would have nothing to do with drinking. And all of a sudden it was because you were drinking. Right. And it was like, all right, so uh, I'm, that's when I made the decision. It's uh, going on about a year now mm-hmm. where I stopped again. Because the, the, the argument was going to keep continually be about that. Then let's just eliminate that. <laughs> Let's stop having that conversation. Yeah. The nice part is, is uh, the bad situation in business that was going on with the 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 very close friend of mine, which right. that's what hurt the worst. Right. Um, uh, deceiving me through business. Right. Okay. Um, that was all done and taken over. I mean, that was all over with at that point. And so, um, a lot of that anxiety. I didn't need to be treating with the alcohol anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and um, what I'm what I'm learning now is how to deal with that again. Right. You know, and um, uh, also going back to the boundaries. Yeah. Because that's what led into that problem. Right. Was me setting the boundaries. And it goes back again. And I... And, I have a lot of people that I talk to and a lot of close friends of mine, a lot of people that know me very well, they actually get kind of frustrated with me because I always go back to my responsibility in the situation. And there's stuff that happens to me that's beyond my control, but I'll still try to find a way to come back. And it, I, I let it, 
I led into that situation. And um, a lot of people try to tell me that's a bad thing. I actually don't think so. I think it's a good thing. Because, because not everything is your fault. No. But the situations you're in, somehow led, you led yourself to that. Whether you like it or not. Let's take your responsibility. Exactly. But if you don't take the responsibility, it's where would you rather be at? Would you rather be that everybody else is in control of your life? Or that you can take responsibility for it and change it? Well, and, and here's the thing. Like, even if you went into a situation where somebody hurts you, I'm the same way as you. I can find, like, so, somebody could be a total ass to me. And and we, we could have a conversation about it later. And somehow, some way, I'll end up apologizing to them. Just because I want to make the situation better and not that because somehow some way I gave them the impression mm-hmm. or I put them in that position where they felt the need to do that or I exact I agree completely with what you're saying because there's no like there, you're never in an island right you know like there's always some way shape or form that like you could have made it because none of us are perfect right and um yeah. But I say I'd rather be in that position, though, trying to find where I was responsible because I'm, the, uh, uh, once again, I'm the only one that I can change. Yeah. So if I want to avoid that situation again, I go back to what did I do to line myself up to be in that position? Right. And let's just not get in that position again. Right. You know? Right. Um, did, I'm not responsible for the way everybody acted. Or, um, you know, but some way, some way, shape, or form, I did something to lead into that. And some, and a lot of times we're too hard on ourselves, and that's why I think a lot of the people close to me are like, "You can't be thinking that way," yeah. because they think I'm just being hard on myself, and it's not. It's trying to learn to. Because you have such high standards. Yeah. You have incredibly high standards for yourself, <coughs> and that's that's just part of your personality. You you just are always trying to be the best. I mean, you try to be the best in pest control. Yeah. It's just your business, <laughs> yeah. you know? And you you try to be as, as involved as possible. Well, you can always make things better. Can, Life can always be better. It can always. I drive my wife crazy with that, though. I know. She's like, can't you just be happy? Well, it's not, it's not a matter of not being happy. And I think that's like an old, you know, uh, uh, achievement mindset. It's like, I can always refine this i can always strive for the next level and some of us are wired that way and some of us aren't and your wife i think the reason you guys are so perfect for each other is that she is we're the yin and yang you are like (laughs) i i do like kind of like a like a stretching yoga class with his wife and like i was literally just telling him like here we go into our tuesday morning class and she's She's got her eyes closed and she's relaxed and she's deep breathing. And I'm thinking of my smartwatch is going off and I'm getting phone calls and I'm thinking about my next meeting. And it takes me 45 minutes just to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's next to me half falling asleep. But she's great for you because she has always had this like satisfaction for life and she's okay and she loves her job and she works hard, but she doesn't need to be the leader. And all is well. And everything is Every- good. And <laughs> she's she's something awesome. So when you, so you've been sober for a year now. Yeah. How did you do it this time? AA again? No. No. No, and uh, that was part of what I think um, was was the other thing that led up to the to to going back to alcohol was that meeting that I used to go to was so far away now. Oh yeah. 
And uh, when we left Illinois and moved to Indiana, I did go to some meetings in close by mm-hmm. and tried to stay in the rhythm of what I was doing and fell away from it because uh, it just... It was it was so scheduled that it had to happen when the meeting was happening. It wasn't like that place that was over there. Yeah, I would love to see an, the, like another place like that happen, like where it was just all day long. Yeah, like yeah. they had two rooms, and uh, <laughs> there was a meeting in this room, and when this one was getting out, you know what I mean, and then the right. next room, and they would just keep switching back and forth all day long, all right. through the night, all the time. Yeah, and um, and there was always somebody there. Yeah. Like, there was never... T- I mean, there might have been three people at the, in the early morning hours and stuff, right. but all the time. Well, and that's when you need it the most, because I, I have never struggled with alcoholism, but I've had my battles with insomnia and anxiety. Oh, my gosh. From, like, 2 a.m. to 4.30 in the morning, that is, like, the... The worst time. The worst. Yeah. The worst. It is amazing, though, like, like I did not go back to AA this time. I did go back to some of the studying that I was doing, like, um, focusing back on myself and the stuff that was making me want to. And it is, it, it is amazing. And knowing from doing this before and having to stop so many times, I knew that the um, urge would go away. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it does. Yeah. It honestly does. I mean, especially if, you, if you're, like... If you're a drinker that thinks that you can't stop, it's because of the urge. And the urge does go away. Now, does it go away... How do I say this? Like, I've heard from people who were smokers and they quit 10 years ago or whatever that they still, like, they'll get an urge and be like, man, I could go for a cigarette. Not that they do. I actually had a friend. I think he told me he's been done smoking for 30 years. And he still has the urge. And he says, if I drink this certain kind of whiskey and I'm in a bar and a certain type of music come on, I'm right back into that frame of mind when I used to be a smoker. Yeah. Does that, is it kind of the same way with... Yeah. So it... Every once in a while, you'll be like... And I know not we're coming into fall and the change of the season does it to me too. Like, uh, there's like, there's this nostalgia thing that goes like with the drinking. I, for some, fall's my favorite season. Yeah. And, uh, I love, uh, I mean, I love just like, yes. Uh, and I, and I love the feeling of the, the, of catching a buzz during the fall time of the year. It's just awesome. And, uh, and no, no, and it does, but, um, the, ur- the, the urge, the, the, that urge goes away a lot faster the longer you're not doing it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I've even had it when I'm passing a liquor store and it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, nah, you know, because because I also know myself. And the second, and, and in all honesty, the relapse taught me as well that that um, uh, I can't turn it off. That urge will get so bad that I'll just keep excelling. And I mean, I'll just keep going and going and going. And I'm like, Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't stop. It's not worth it. No. Yeah. Well, and I'm not the one that will, like, if I get a case of beer, I'm drinking the whole case of beer. Right. If I get, like I said, moving up to the keg. If the yeah. keg's there, I mean, we got, we, it was funny because we, I would have friends over, so it, was, it wasn't just me, but I mean, that keg started out, like, we got the keg, and then uh, it would last about the week, you know, <laughs> and then we get another one, oh. and before we knew it, we were going through over three three kegs a week. Oh, we had God. three liquor stores bidding over who were, who <laughs> Who was going to sell us the kegs? They oh all wanted our gosh. business. It was amazing. Oh <laughs> we would gosh. we would call them all up and get them in a bidding war. That's so funny. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was funny then too because when the keg when when I finally unplugged the keg, then all of a sudden a lot of those people were gone. Yeah. 
And you realize that a lot of them were just there for that. Well, yeah, and I, I hesitate to say this because my husband's not here and I can't speak for him, but one thing I have to say about my husband, which I think is amazing, is that Dave is your friend through all of this. Yeah. And Dave is, I mean, he's no perfect guy, Mm-mm. but um, he wasn't a big drinker. Mm-mm. And that's the thing about friendships is that you find out who your true friends are when you go through those tough times. Yeah. And we've both been there. And um, so I remember the day when Dave was like, yeah, my, my buddy John's moving to Indiana. <laughs> you know? I, but we knew. I mean, I didn't know you real well, but we knew you needed to get you needed to get out of there. Yeah. So, um, so let's pivot a little bit, unless there was anything else you want to say. Um, or something. Oh, well, I gotta go back to like like. Um, no, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, because like, uh, and and uh, well, I want to go back to like the drugs thing because I don't really like the drug thing. I don't. I don't struggle with that. Yeah. Like the drug thing, like it was just a just a passing. Yeah, it was uh, the 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 alcohol was the worst. Yeah, and I mean, and when I was when I was younger and I was into the phase of doing all the drugs, I mean, we did everything you can think of. You know, I mean, it, it was horrible, and I would, I absolutely one hundred percent no urge for that. Yeah, someone actually, accidentally, they were like, um, so I still like to vape and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and I. Um, they handed me one of those, one of those, the, the weed ones. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just a, and I, and I took a hit of that and it drove me crazy. Yeah. I, I was like, I was so paranoid. Yeah. That was like the worst thing in the world. And I was like, I don't, I don't know why I even like playing with this stuff back no. in the day. No. And I have absolutely no urge for it. Like the, the, like, even like I think about like the, um, what we were doing with like the, the, the harder drugs and stuff like that. It's like no urge. Well, and the funny thing is, is like. But the, I can't believe how they, 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 that stuff is all the stuff that they talk about, the problems with and everything. Yeah. And the alcohol is worse. Yeah. It's the hardest. It's the hardest thing. I believe it's the most addictive thing. Yeah. I do. Um, it's a lot easier because your withdrawal symptoms from the harder drugs are so bad. You don't, you, you think about that before you do it again. Mm. The uh, alcohol, you can, it's a lot easier to do the, to drink again. Right. And the withdrawal symptoms go away like that. You see the people that drink every night? You know what I mean? And it's not a problem because they only have one drink. I'm, I mean, I, I've, I've watched people do this, and, and a lot of what they're doing is getting rid of the withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. Yep. I had an aunt growing up. She was my favorite aunt. She passed away at 39 of alcoholism. Um, she was literally orange Yeah. when she died. I saw her a few days before we got the phone call. We all, we all kind of knew she was gone but or was going. But anyway, I remember as a kid spending the night at her house, and I didn't understand it at the time, but she always put something from her freezer in her orange juice. Yeah. You know? And, like, I think back to on that now, and I don't know. I mean, I imagine she was drinking all day long. I mean, she had to be. But, like, to have your body completely collapse by 39, there's nothing else wrong with her. Yeah. It wasn't cancer, heart disease. She was beautiful. Well, I can remember going through like, uh, um, um, and it wasn't until recently, like I even talked to my wife about it and that, but uh, like the sleep paralysis and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and some of the other stuff that goes on when with drinking, it is that is the scariest thing in the world. Yeah, you wake up, you're totally awake, you can't move. Oh my gosh! It is, it is, 
it is the scariest thing in the world. And, um, and that's where deep down I knew it, like, uh, when I first quit drinking, it was, it was that or I was going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how old were you when you quit the first time? 29. 29. Yeah. You would, you would have been my aunt. Yep. By 39. I mean, she, ugh. And, the, and, and and I know exactly what you're talking about with the orange juice, because I used to do it with the, uh, I, I, it started out with, uh, I'd get the two, like the, the two liter of Coke. Mm-hmm. And it started out where I'd just put a little bit in uh, of rum in the morning, and yeah. then I would drink that through the day. And before you know it, it was looking like iced tea, and I'd be like dumping out the hole. Oh my gosh. And it would be like, how <laughs> yeah. rum and a splash of Coke. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but once again, I, I and then I would drink all day, but I'd be working all day. So it never affected like financially. Yeah. You know, it was like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll know when, when there's a problem, I'll know because, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it really doesn't have to happen that way, you know? Um, well, let's talk a little bit about, um, anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were, we were kind of talking a little bit before this. So like you made the connection that drinking was sort of, wasn't sort of, was self-medicating for anxiety. Now, what's the state now? Like, w- tell us a little bit about that. With the anxiety? Yeah. Um, hmm. I am, I'm at the stage right now where I'm, and uh, I keep bringing it up, that I'm more of looking at it as, it. I, I've always been, I've always been taught to look at it as the, a problem. Mm-hmm. What I'm understanding more now and I and and like in our conversations you'll hear me talking about this that I'm realizing that we're all fit to do certain things right right. and we're designed we're designed to a certain way now I think it's more of the maybe the like the medical perception of things maybe or the society's perception of things that puts things that this is a problem Right. And I'm more turning it around that, no, this is actually a tool. Like, I've been, I mean, I've been diagnosed, like, obsessive compulsive, uh, manic depressant, you name it, and they di- they diagnosed me with it. <laughs> and, um, and what I've realized is, like, okay, so you're overly obsessed with something. Well, why don't you be overly obsessed with a good thing? Right. What's the problem? Elon <laughs> Musk, for goodness like, sake. Like, like, what's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Really good at something. Be really good at something. Yeah, and like, right, so is it really a problem, or is it just misdirected? Is it a talent that's misdirected? Does that make sense? It totally makes sense, and I can hear the naysayers on the other end of the podcast saying, like, "Well, if it overtakes your life, or if it takes you away from Christ, or if it takes you away from your family, okay." But but we're talking about a behavior behavior management, really, yeah. more than. What I used, the term I used earlier, which was mental illness, because that right away, that puts like a negative persona on it that there's, okay, what I'm trying to say is like, if I cut you open right now and look for a manufacturing label, there's not going to be a manufacturing label in there that says that God made you wrong. Right. You know, like this is the way God made you. Now let's manage it. Yeah. Is, is kind of the what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Well, and look at the quality of it. I mean, look at what yeah. we do to kids right now. They're in school. They can't sit, sit around. They don't want to sit around. They want to be doing stuff. They, I mean, we'll put it all the time together, the ADHD and all that kind of stuff, which I understand people have problems with that stuff. But at the same time, 
like, I'm a multitasker all the time. That's one of the reasons why they said I was, like, ADHD uh, at the time. No, they didn't call it ADHD. What, 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 it was just attention deficit at the time. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the things. And, no, uh, in fact, they nicknamed me, at, uh, a bunch of guys nicknamed me Scatterbrain because I'm, I'm just always all over the place. Yeah. And uh, if you see me work, I'm over here, and then I'm over there, and then I'm over there. And, like, if I'm working in the shop, I, I, I constantly have three, four, five projects going on at one time. Right. Like, not five things I'm working on, like, and then I'll, I'm doing this today and that tomorrow i'm like working on all five projects <laughs> <laughs> How do you do that? I have no idea. and uh but uh but isn't that what we're calling adhd now yeah i mean definitely and like the perspective that i have on a lot of this stuff even you know when i used to be i was a teacher for eight years the perspective i always had was like just just they, they're approaching things differently yeah. You know, they're just they're just wired differently. I don't even want to use that cuz we could go into the whole fallacy of like wiring and yeah. you know, whatever, but yeah, I I I would agree it's it's how you're approaching life and teaching people to approach things differently. Just like what we said about your wife. Like she kind of tends to approach things like everything's fine. I'm relaxed, I'm calm, whatever. Where you approach things and you're like how can I do things better? And I'm always going to challenge myself and whatever. Neither one are wrong. Right. You know, like there's benefits to both. Well, and she's like one that will be like the house will be burning down and she'd be like, okay, you That's, know what I mean? And, yeah. and calm and relaxed. And I'm, and, and, and where I'd be the one freaking out. Right. Like, so, all right. There's times when you should be freaking out. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's good, there's goods and bads to both things. So like, yeah, the, the, the the argument of the ADD, ADHD, autism, stuff like that, is that the school system? Is that the child? Is that the learning style? Is that what? Is it a perfect storm of like, sit down, be quiet, and listen all day? And then if you have a child like my son, I mean, he wants to fish and race cars and ride his bike and whatever. If he can't do that all day in school, is it because the system's wrong or is it because he's wrong? Right. Or is it... Tiny bit of both. Yeah. That's that's the struggle. Well, and the thing is, is like, and you hear me, I'm not against medication. I'm not either. I, uh, I think that, I do think that, and I do think you need to exhaust all measures. Yes. Like, like for instance, right now, I mean, I, uh, um, I have back problems. And I, and I take pain medicine for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that wrong? I mean, I've tra- taken drugs in the past, and so is, is it wrong? I mean, a lot of doctors would say that, oh, stay away from that. It's going to be a problem. Right. No, I know I have to be careful. Right. But we've, I've also exhausted every other measure. Right. <laughs> like I've, I've gone through surgery. I've done everything. And I'm still looking for another solution. But... Um, and then I, and then because of my history, I do be very careful. Like um, um, my my uh, my wife, fortunately being a nurse, she yeah. delves it out to me, so I don't like I, I don't hold on to the bottle or anything like right. that. Um, right. Because I do, you have to be smart. But uh, the medication isn't bad. But the question is, is a lot of it is, is especially with the kids that bothers me, because you're not allowing them to develop the tools to deal with it. To fit into the society because it's really the role that people want them to fit into in society. It's not, and then and then all of a sudden, labeling it as bad. Mm-hmm. And is that really a bad quality? Like you said with Elon Musk, is that a bad quality? Look at what it did for him. Yeah, but I'm sure that there was a, a time and a place where he had to learn to manage and adapt or channel it. 
or channel it, yeah. Or channel it. I know a lot of uh, a lot of the very successful people that I study, I read about, and know have a lot of these things that we stigmatize as so wrong. Am I am I incorrect? It doesn't Elon Musk have autism? Uh, they, the, um, or is that just like the rumor? That's just the kind of like I think the rumor. Okay. The rumor. But I mean, they would, I, I guarantee you, if he was like in school now. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, one of the things that, one of the reasons why uh, um, it was easy to play around with drugs and have a good time was because school just came easy for me. Yeah. Like, it, it was almost too easy. I was bored. Right. And like, I, I can remember, I mean, when I when I got out of high school, I remember I was uh, working two full-time jobs. I was running our landscape company. Um Working full-time and going to school full-time all at the same time. And I was literally done with a semester of the college in like three weeks. <laughs> yeah. I just, I did, I, I mean, they give you the whole st- syllabus. I just finished it all in three right. weeks and I didn't have to do anything until the exam. Well, and that's, <laughs> and that's a problem with people who are achievers like you are. Is you get bored easy. Yeah. You and when you're bored, what do you do? And, and then, then you see that kid. Is it because... He's bored. Is he's it because he's bored? And and nobody ever like. I mean, I, I I mean, I don't know. I'm not in education. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't think from what I hear about it, anybody looks to that direction of things. They certainly do now. Do they? Yeah. So, and that's that's one thing I really. I mean, I can. I will say I can only speak for my kids' school, and I think they do an excellent job of that, where they have Excel programs and they have different ways that they can challenge these kids. But my brother was one of those kids who was just extraordinarily smart. And I think it was fifth grade. He was just, like, smarter than the teacher, basically. They stuck him in some closet with a computer and said, I think it was for math class. Mm -hmm. I could be, I shouldn't be quoting the story since I don't remember the exact details. But something along the lines that they basically stuck him in a closet in front of a computer and said, come back in 45 minutes. Because we can't teach you. Now... There's the whole spectrum. You know, we have programs that's one-on-one for the kids. We have group work. We have classroom time. And then they have Excel programs where it's like literally like, let's pull you out because this is way too easy for you. See, And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Because um, you notice that, and this is where where I truly do blame this, like... The system. The system. Because, all right... When did we start seeing the increase of all this garbage? After 1979. Mm-hmm. What's happened in 1979? I mean... Department of Education. Yeah. Yeah. And we put everybody in a cookie-cutter spot, and all of a sudden labeled this is good and this is bad. Well, and, and then you got all the state testing where, like... I, 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 like I said, I haven't been in education for 10 years or whatever, but I remember when I was in education, you spend like two weeks before the state test, like, let's review all this stuff to make sure you guys do really great on this yeah. test. <laughs> and then let's spend a week or two taking the stinking test. And then, okay, we'll go back to regular education. Well, if a quarter's eight weeks and you just spent a month on that in the spring and the fall, you basically just lost a quarter of teaching adhering to a state test. Yeah. Stupid. 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 Okay. And plus, and, and, and in addition to that, I mean, and I, I see it every day, even, um, I see it all the time. I mean, the quality of it has just gone down. And I think it's because, I mean, people can't push the skills that they're good at. Right. You know? And we're not all meant to go to college and all do all that other stuff. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, that hyperactive kid that's like, is much better in a different 
You know what I mean? Our, our lives aren't supposed to be planned that way. Well, and and that's where the anxiety comes in, too, because yeah. you think you're supposed to fit into a certain spot. I know that's one of the things that tr- triggered it a lot for me was because the... Like I said, I'm a later starter and I like to work later. No, my family, like I was raised, no, you early bird gets the worm. You yeah. start as early, you know what I mean? You get up at three in the morning. The 5 a.m. club? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and a lot of that's not me. Like, like, and it's not wrong what I'm doing, but in, I still fight with that because I still like, if I'm out there working until too late, I'm like, I'm never going to get up and, you know what I mean? I'm right. never going to get up at that time. And, and, uh, and then I look at it and, and in all honesty, when I try to fit that mentality, Business goes all array because who takes care of that stuff at the end of the day when all the employees are done and everything, right? That's where I'm at. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I fill that gap in there. And then a lot of my stuff uh, that I do with work in that is a lot of the research and development stuff. Like, what are you going to study when you're out on the road talking to customers? You know what I mean? The best time to do it is when everybody else is sleeping. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I... Real quick before we talk about business, I wanted to go back and talk about, we're talking a little bit about medication. We were kind of talking about the system and medication being the last resort. And it it brought up a thought for me that, you know, I'm in holistic wellness, as you know. Mm -hmm. And one thing, and, and I'm not against medication. I'm on medication myself. You've been on medication in the past and whatever. But one thing that I don't understand is... When I walk to my doctor's office to get put on medication, why, why is that so easy? Like, why don't they test your vitamin D levels? Why don't they test your iron? Why don't they recommend counseling? Why don't they look at dietary things like artificial sugars or, you know, the food you're eating? Are you exercising? Are you doing that? Because kind of like when you were struggling with back pain, mm-hmm. what's the system for that? Physical therapy, um, yeah, physical therapy. Then uh, we went epidurals. through. Then we went through epidurals. Then we went through. Uh, I actually did end up had before they would even look at me for surgery. Yeah. And uh, then pain you management. go through the EEG. You go through the pain management stuff. You go. I mean, it's one thing after another before we finally ended up Why exhausting all those measures. The same way. Um, so I'm on the other side of it. I actually think it's good that the medical profession works that way. Yeah. I don't think that the responsibility should be on the doctor to figure out what we're doing. I think it should be on us. And the biggest, and that's why I don't agree with like what we do to a lot of kids and jumping to medications on kids because they can't learn to deal with it. They can't know what's going on. If I would have known early on what I was dealing with was the anxiety, I think that things would have been different for me. So you, you think the quick jump to medication is a good thing? No, I think, I think you should be the one making that decision. Right. Well, but that's what I, that's what I'm saying is like, I wish there was more encouragement to say, let's like, okay, so they, um, the clinical psychologist, I think, the the one of the people within my company that helps to develop the the, the products for us, she also has a private practice, mm-hmm. and so she can prescribe medications and whatnot. And she has said in the past that like she will not prescribe a medication until you're sleeping eight hours a night, you're getting your vitamin D levels tested, you've done, you've cleaned up your diet, you're not consuming artificial sugars you're not this you're not that once we've done that for six months if you're still struggling then we can go to medication and so my question is like why isn't there more of a encouragement instead of like go to the doctor i could go to the doctor right now and 20 minutes later i could walk out with a which i think that's a good route to go for someone who hasn't educated themselves on what they're doing right 
Right, because it could save their life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and if somebody, but that, but that's the course of educating them on what needs to be done. Do, do, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you, but I don't think we should underestimate the research that people can do on their own. Right. For themselves. Right. Like you were just talking about, like I, I, I was, I was on anxiety medication for years. I'm just starting to experiment with trying not to be on it. Right. right. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I've done a lot more research on what those, what it does to me. Yeah. And so, all right. So if I'm taking it because this is what the medication does to me, what else can do that same thing? And that's why I love that you said that the person that develops the stuff also deals with the other medications. I deal with this all the time with our pest control company, um, natural versus yeah, synthetic. synthetic yeah. Both of them are good. Yeah. But they all have their place. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Medication totally has your place, but... But I don't think we should just jump to that. Jump I do think... It. But but the thing is, is that... I, I, see, and I think it goes back to the... We're in a society of irresponsibility. It's just quick. Yep. Let me just take the pill. Yep. But, but why even spend the time to learn? Right. And to learn what you're doing to yourself. Right. You know? Um, and that boggles my mind. Like now, I mean, I, and I used to, and I did it too. Just do, the doctor tells you to do it. Go ahead and do it. But I mean, I think COVID proved to that. We, you need to do your own research. Oh, you cannot, gracious. you know what I mean? Um, uh, and it, uh, and I actually think the good thing that came about of all that is that more people are. Yeah. And no one's, I mean, I think it exposed the BS. Well, and it's, it's so crazy. Like I, I am not for or against vaccinations. Like Really, the jury's out on that one for me. I'm right there with you. Um, but I look at these girls that are having babies right now, like post-COVID, you know, maybe they had a baby in 21, 22, even recently. Majority of them are not vaccinating their children. Yes, see. Because there was so much... It almost, it over, it, it overdid it. it, it I, you know, like, I, invi- I visualize, like, the pendulum. <clears throat> like, I think we were over... To all the way to the right in the in the previous like for me I never questioned it all my kids are fully vaccinated un- until twenty twenty yeah and the amount of you can't ask questions you can't this I'm going to force it on you I'm going to limit you socially I'm going to whatever 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 so much that we've swung all the way to the left where these moms so many of them are afraid to vaccinate their children which is not good either um, there I mean like. What uh, I was reading an article. Uh, I was reading an article about the polio increasing again. Things like that. This is horrible. Like, no. like you do not want that stuff around. No, but don't. once again, that's where you're. Not all of the vaccinations are bad. Do you know what I mean? But that's where the responsibility. And and that's that's where I think the good might come out of all this is yes. that people are going to have to learn how to be responsible again. Well, and, and here's, here's when, cause I get this question asked a lot because being in holistic wellness or whatever. And I say to them some resources that I've found, you know, I, I really try not to give my personal opinion. I'm not even giving my personal opinion here because I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure. But the truth is, is it's okay to admit you don't know. I don't, I really don't know. And I'm really grateful that my kids aren't babies right now because I probably honestly would fall into the category of I'm going to wait this out and there's not going to get any right now. Right. Because that's sort of where I'm at with my own kids. My kids are in middle school, so you're not really getting a bunch of shots right now anyway. But um, 
I really, I, I really don't know. So I try to gear people towards research resources like Candace Owens is fabulous research. And, you know, I, I kind of don't really know. But I will say that when you hear things like possibly polio or there was a there was another one where I'm like, ah, is this because of that? Yeah. You well, know? Well, well, I see it too, like we were saying with like the business I'm in, I see it already now, the, the malaria is going yeah. back up they're finding it in the united states again oh gosh and uh but it's the swing all the way back no pesticides no pesticides but well, wait a minute no you have to be responsible with this stuff but then we talk about the difference between people so much right and how different people are yeah that's where learning and knowing yourself comes in right and um how often do they prescribe you something and you don't even know what you're taking yeah they told me to take it, and this is what I'm taking. And they told me to take it three times a day, so that's what I'm going to do. Well, and you have no idea what it's even doing. <laughs> and it's so funny because I'm in natural health, right? And yeah. people will be like, oh, my gosh, well, where's that ashwagandha source from? <laughs> like, did you did you, did you just ask? came from the pharmacy and picked up whatever, <laughs> you know, fluorine or something. And I, you know, know, I know. You don't even know what you're doing. You just, you just suck down that uh, pink drink from Starbucks, which is funny because Starbucks is getting sued yeah. for their, um, I don't even know what they're called. My kids are going to kill me. The, the pink drinks or whatever, which is basically like a strawberry flavored whatever, because there's literally no fruit source in any really? of Starbucks drinks. It's it's some sort of syrup that's meant to taste like fruit. Oh, wow. So they're getting sued for it because there's actually no fruit in it. So- I, 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 yeah, I saw something the other day and they were talking about, uh, I don't know how true it is, but they said 90% of the diseases that we have today didn't exist 100 oh, years ago. Right. But 90% of the foods we eat today didn't exist 100 years ago either. Exactly. And it's like, huh, I never thought yeah. of that. That's funny. <laughs> We're gonna, you know, John, John, and I, and we we often talk about like, you know, we both buy cows and we get all of our meat from there, and I'm I'm building more and more up a garden and I'm canning and stuff like that. We're like, yeah, let's just live off the grid. Yeah, he's got solar panels on his house. Our whole house is actually solar powered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But 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 like what I found like like all right, so go to like buying the cow. Yeah. I was to the point where before we were doing that, I was like done with steak and everything. I didn't want to eat it at a restaurant. I didn't want to eat it. I, I, I didn't want to have it on. I, I thought that like my taste had changed. Yeah. And then we ended up getting a grass fed cow and all of a sudden it was like, holy crap, this is what I've been missing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, what a difference, right? What a difference. And it's like, uh, um, wow. No, um, I don't know. We literally like, <laughs> Last night we had a roast. The night before that, we actually had filet mignon, like in our house, yeah. on paper plates. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like we should have at least brought out the nice plates for this. Yeah. Well, but, and the, and the, the interesting part is like, it's like economically wise, it's not, I mean, it's, I think it's better. It's, it's much more affordable if you can afford it. It's just like everything else, like. You have to be in a financial position to be able to put out that kind of money to and then store it. And then, like, we have three freezers in our garage, and the reason is is because we. That's a lot of electric. If you didn't have solar. Well, we don't have solar, but but what I mean is like we weren't always in a financial position where 
we could even have bought two weeks worth of groceries, let alone buy a cow that's going to last us 12 to 15 months. So yes, it is cheaper in the long run, but that's like the catch 22. It's kind of like, I saw this meme the other day about, it was like, oh, I didn't qualify for my $1,200 mortgage a month from the bank. So now I have to go rent an apartment for 2200 a month. Yeah. You get, and that's the system. Yeah. The system pisses me off sometimes because like, even we live temporarily in an apartment while we were building this house and we saw the people in the apartment complex. I mean, full on families with kids and sometimes the mom or the grandma or whatever lived with them. And it's like, how, how do you ever get out of that? Yeah. Because you're paying 2800 or 2500 or whatever a month in rent. You don't have enough money to put anything aside to put money down to get a mortgage. You're running into credit card debt because, and on and on and on and on and it goes. And it continues. Yes. Um, but that's where the, it's the responsibility of getting that. I know. And self-reflection and knowing that, like, but then taking on the responsibility because then that's the reason why even like housing and that, I mean, I see it going all the rental. Yeah. I see. I the home the homeowner thing is going to be gone. You and, think so? Oh yeah. Don't Fifty years like from now, people aren't going to want to own a house. Thirty. It's, I don't even <sighs> think in ten years they're going to want to own a house because the thing is, is it's responsibility that goes along with it. Yeah. And yeah. all right, good example. Last year, all of a sudden, problems with the roof. Bam! There goes another twenty grand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of responsibility. So I mean, even though it costs more to rent, it's like you don't have any of those responsibilities. That's true. You know, you don't got to take care of your lawn. Don't get it. Um, I was thinking though, like what we're talking about is like I look at it as like technology versus uh, like like is is like the technology good or bad? Like like with the chemicals and yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And um, it's um, I think it it is good, but it needs to be respected. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like with the medications, that kind of stuff. Right. I look right. at it with the, like there's good that comes out of it, but you you you. But it's also you know uh, technology comes with trial and error. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's one of the reasons why some of the, 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 like the vaccines you were talking about that we've taken, you know, that have been out for a long time. I also think they were developed because there was a problem. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. And then they, they, they used the vaccine to solve the problem. They didn't, it didn't reverse the other way. Right. I feel like we try to solve the problem before it gets here. And then what happens is you eliminate the trial and error phase right. of what's going on. So you don't really even know what works and what doesn't. Do you know? Well, and on top of it, just, I mean, just to call a spade a spade, like you and I, we were born in the 70s and 80s. Back then, what were we getting? Maybe 50, 60, 70 vaccines? Oh, I don't even think it was that much. I think there were like six. Really? I, I, whatever it yeah. is, it's like quadruple that now. But I mean, when you look back at history and you look at like what polio did to people, yeah. I mean, it just, it's mind boggling. And I hear it all the time. People get worried like for the pest control, like spraying chemicals for, for mosquitoes and that. Like that's the number one killer in the world. Yeah. You want those gone. Right. And, I, and even the government tells you that like, like a private company like me is not allowed to tell you that we do it to help for, for health reasons. Right. We're not allowed to say that. And um, you want to tell me that killing that bug is not going to help? not spread disease yeah like that's not why i mean you know what i mean i don't care how many of them you kill you should kill all of them <laughs> well i don't know not, not all bugs i'm saying every mosquito does is there really like a um 
like spiders have their purpose and whatever. Bees, Mosquitoes have no purpose. They're just there to and, spread and, disease. And, I, and there's a whole list of scientists that, uh, agree, that I agree with that uh, believe that you could eliminate every mosquito. You would not hurt the food chain. You wouldn't hurt anything. <laughs> we got the Bill Gates mosquitoes now. Yeah. <laughs> don't even go into that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, but... Um, well, tell uh, why, yeah. don't, why don't we go there a little bit? So, sort of one of the other things that I saw you go through, you know, kind of sticking on the topic of overcoming was like, so John had a landscape business. Yeah. That you had had for a few decades, right? Yeah. It was, uh, me and my brother started it uh, when we were still in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So, we had it go, I mean, uh, and then I kept it going to... Um, we were we were becoming pretty successful with it. We were right about to turn the corner, and then we hit the uh, recession, yeah. two thousand eight and nine. Yep. And uh, I remember going through that because everybody else was freaking out, and business was just still fine for us. Yeah. It was two thousand ten and eleven where it really trickled down to us. Yeah. And that's when it uh, the the bankruptcy stuff and people not paying us just destroyed that. Yeah. Um. And so you pivoted. Yeah. Um, I was already doing, working with the chemicals for working on the, like, uh, with the landscape business. That's a lot of what I took care of, the fertilizers, the bug stuff outside. Mm-hmm. I was already licensed and going inside houses for pest control, right. um, for customers of ours. We weren't advertising it or any of that end, but I mean, we were still doing it. And then, uh, we, ju- we decided instead of rebuilding the, the landscape company, just, um, shifting the focus to the pest control alone. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, your husband helped me with that a lot. I already developed the mosquito stuff, and then um, uh, he helped me. He helped me. Uh, pu- he pushed me to advertise for it. Yeah. And that like exploded it. Yeah. Very well. Yeah, um, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And where did the name the Green Advantage come from? So that was actually the name of the landscape company. Okay, you just and we it. sent it. Well, we sent it out. We paid people all kinds of money to come up with a name for the pest control company, and they kept coming up with nothing matched what we were doing. Okay. And and we didn't even feel like the Green Advantage matched what we were doing, even though what we were because because the Green Advantage sounds like you're all natural. Yeah. You know, and but you are kind of natural well well, well, and that's where i've kind of like i have to explain it to people it's not all natural chemicals and all that what it is is being responsible with even the synthetics yeah yeah like people don't realize how many people died because we we banned ddt Hmm. um when we banned ddt there were more preventable deaths than every war in all of human history combined that's how many people died because we banned DDT. They talk about the great things it did for the environment because we had to ban it because it was going to hurt the tree frog or something like that. Now we find out that all that was BS. <laughs> None of that was true. <laughs> None of that was true. And the only reason why we don't use it, we still don't use it today, really, and, and like around the world they use it again, DDT. Yeah. Um, we don't because there are far better chemicals now. Okay. That don't. And the problem with DDT was that it just lasted 30 years. Okay. So, I mean, it had a long life uh, before it disappeared. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the, chem- the the things that we use today are gone. They're designed to be like, you can test the ground, you can test everything within six months to a year and they're gone. Yeah. And, and like I said, I go back and forth on so much of this stuff because in all honesty, like we do try to buy organic. Mm-hmm. We try to buy, especially like they call it the dirty dozen. Yeah. And um, some of my friends and stuff from California, like, 
they just can't believe the stuff that we do out here with GMOs and pesticides and whatever because they're they're a different mindset. Yeah. Good or bad. And so I go back and forth and I like how you say responsibility because, yeah, there is a level of responsibility where like, no, I don't particularly want to have my strawberries sprayed with pesticides. But at the same time, I also, you know, there's diseases and there's things, there's, okay, I'm, I'm so, going to use the wrong words, but a fungus could take over an entire crop. Yeah. There's, there's was, one that specifically attacks the... Um... The strawberries, yeah. Well, and I wasn't yeah. even trying to do that. But. <laughs> oh, there's, they're, all, they're everywhere. And if yeah. you don't know, now, now you were saying like do, trying to do your own gardening and stuff. You yeah. see how hard it is, yeah. and then you drive past the farm and you wonder why would happen. So to me, it goes back to personal responsibility. Like if you really want no pesticides in your food, and I include organic in that. If you go to the organic store, there are pesticides in that food. Are they're just the natural form of the pesticides. Okay. And people, and and that's the other thing I I, I find myself explaining all the time. Natural does not mean safe. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm in the holistic. <laughs> I see the crap people yeah. try to sell off as as uh, quote unquote natural, and people are like, oh, but it's natural. Yeah. Kristen, it's so good for you, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. you're drinking. And, and then there's the diet pop people who think uh, that we're gonna get skinny from the diet pop, but diet pop is an insulin destroyer is it yeah that's why people actually will gain weight because it tricks your brain so like what your body's supposed to do when it has some this is a different topic but when you have something sweet what's your body supposed to do it releases insulin yeah because it's like oh something sweet sugar i know what to do but then all of a sudden you throw in artificial sugars and your body your brain your body your gut your everything is like i don't know what to do with this because it's not spiking my insulin it's not sweet it's not even a actual food it's a chemical and it messes up your your whole entire blood sugar balance. i just don't like the taste of it well i mean but i used to drink it because i was like oh i don't want the calories of it but what it does is in the long term people start struggling with things like insulin resistance and then they can't figure out because it messes with the ebbs and flow of your insulin I just drank so much pop so that it would be easier than, because now I have to cut down. I had a, like a blood test and it said my triglycerides were like six times higher than they're supposed <laughs> oh, to no. So they were like, the doctor's like, you got to cut down on pop. And it was like, that, well, that won't be hard. I mean, I drink like six of these things a day from the yeah. gas station. It's like, all right, I'll cut it down to three. Cut it down to three. But it comes back to personal responsibility. <laughs> so I feel like when people drink diet pop, they think they're drinking, it's the equivalent of water because it's zero calories. But once again, that's the responsibility. The responsibility. You're not doing the research. And even myself, like, drinking all that, that pop, you know what I mean? What are you doing to yourself? And so, I mean, we're all guilty of it. We're all, but, but now, when I drink a pop, I I think of it as this is 280 calories. It's the equivalent of a bowl of ice cream. It's a nice afternoon treat, and I'm not going to abuse it. Right. You know, like, so I have the personal responsibility, and do I know it's bad for me? Yes. But it's a choice. Well, like, my, uh, well, I know where it comes from, from with, with me is because I don't eat all day. Well, like I get all my, but I get all like my cal- like my energy through the day through like pop oh, and that kind of stuff. No, it's terrible. It's I know terrible. it's bad. I know it's bad. <laughs> but I don't. I don't find time during the day to sit down and eat or do and do any of that. Everything's on the run. Well, you know, and so, but that like in order to stop drinking pop, that's what I've been doing. I've been having like something for breakfast, like not a lot, but I mean I have something because yeah. I, I get tired every time I eat. Yeah. So um, so I I stop. I, I have something to eat. Then I try to have something to eat in the afternoon, and what do you know? I really don't like crave the pop like I used to because it's like because you're getting nutrition because I'm getting nutrition where oh, I should. Isn't that funny? <laughs> we 
isn't that funny how that works? You actually give You have body. to eat. <laughs> Guys, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this off. I'm gonna hook him up. He's actually drinking soul vital right yeah. now. Oh, this stuff's awesome. Yeah, it's well. I, uh, my wife hates it. Well, I, I, my wife hates it when she gets it because I drink it all. Oh, yeah. like like so she buys it for herself, and I find the bottle uh, the, the box, box of it, and I I take it off. Oh, so she gets funny. so mad because <laughs> I love this. Well, we're just gonna have to create you the John account and the account for your wife. But yeah. so getting back to like the so John basically pivoted. I don't know how we got on the topic of pop. I don't know. <laughs> so John um, pivoted. He created the pest control company, which basically, you know, protecting the environment, being safe. It's personal. It's personal safety and environmental safety. That's okay. what like the green advantage means. It doesn't mean all natural. Uh, I, oh yeah, that, when we were talking about the all natural. Oh, I mean, yeah, I remind people all the time that like asbestos is 100% natural. Is that safe? You know, hundred yeah. I feel really. In fact, it's funny that they they're like uh, I believe in the Latin it means something like trouble with the lungs, because they've known about this since like two thousand BC. They knew that it caused problems, and all of a sudden they say that it didn't. You know, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so um and um so natural does not mean safe. It means uh, I see people like neem oil and stuff like that all the time, and it's like that doesn't. I mean, you have to. You, you have to be responsible with how you're using stuff. Right, right. Um, and that's what we promote. Right. It's like, uh, and so we have people call us all the time that want to do stuff on their own. And I have no problem advising people on what to do. I'd rather be them be safe and let's be safe with the environment. Because, I mean, as soon as we start being irresponsible, running around, spraying our weeds and shorts, flip-flops and an unbuttoned shirt, you know, they're going to make more rules. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's not responsible either. I mean, we talk about it with like the the glyphosate and stuff like that. Um, I mean, we, I mean, I don't really want to get into it, but I mean, I, I'm not a believer that it causes all those problems hmm. that people think it does. Now, but then I also see the irresponsibility on how people are using it. You know, I mean, not wearing gloves, not doing this and that, and you know, I mean, that's not right either. Right. You know. Right. Um, I hate it when it's. 100 degrees out in the summer and i gotta wear the long sleeves and the the, the, the you know pants and the, the, the gloves mask. and all that and the mask and but you want to know what and it's not because the stuff is every too much water will kill you right it's true mm-hmm. i actually literally just read an article of some woman who i was something i think i saw something like that Wasn't yeah she drinking like three or four gallons of water a day yeah and I don't Which I had flashbacks to like what I was talking about in high school when they were making me take drug tests because oh. that's the way that's the way I used to pass the drug test. Yeah. I'd drink about two gallons of water before the drug test. Yeah, it was in, in what caught, I, I have a hard time with articles like that because I personalize them too much. Mm-hmm. Because she was like a mom of a couple kids, they were similar ages, and I was like, Oh my gosh, she was just trying to be healthy. Yeah. You know, she thought, Oh, I was drinking all this water, but it was Something astronomical. There was a lot of water she was drinking. Yeah, and she, I don't remember, something with electrolytes, I think is what it was. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you're right. I mean, and I don't want to get into the whole pesticide, glyphosate discussion. Safety, yeah. It's uh, to me, it's all about uh, uh, moderation. Like like we were saying with the pops, six pops, six of those forty four ounce pops is probably not the right thing to be doing. You guys, but but yeah, it's it's all about doing the best. And I'm in a funny position being in holistic wellness because, you know, I try to tell people like I am just your everyday mom. Like you can go in my pantry, and I think I did a Facebook post that said this, where it's like. 
25% organic, 25% total crap, and 50% in between. Yeah. It's like my... But, but it's reality. Yeah. You know, like I am... Well, the only way you're going to... Like can. the only way you're going to get 100% organic, and that's what a lot of people want, is to have your own garden and do it yourself. I don't even think that's true. And I... Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I still... But, but, I, I, but I don't think you'd be able to... I mean, you wouldn't be able to feed yourself. Well, first of all, I wouldn't be able to feed myself. I, I found that out the hard way. I had this ambition of canning tomato sauce this year, and I think I've gotten like six jars, maybe. We did it, and then my wife wouldn't. She just won't use it. Oh. We have, I mean, we have so much canned stuff, and she just doesn't use it. Well, I... It we, blows my mind. We need to have talk about that. But what I'm saying is my garden wasn't big enough, really, to supply the tomato sauce that I wanted for my family. But second of all, how the heck do you make your own garden unless you live on acreage organic? Because, like, we got the guys coming around, the you know, the, the landscape companies coming around spraying this, that, and the other. We got the farm across the street. We've got all of that. You're telling me that that, even if I make my own garden organic, is it really organic? You're still, no matter, the thing is, is that no matter what you do, you're going to be in, it's all, I, I think it's funny because everybody's like, I want chemical free. Well, everything's a chemical. I don't care what you're touching. It's a chemical. Water's a chemical. Everything's that's chemical. So, so the thing is, and, and, and that's where like, like with, um, with like organic pesticides, like, I, I, I mean, I, I, I actually, there's a blog on our website that I wrote about this to kind of get rid of some of the stigma about it. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them are naturally derived. They're just made so that they last longer and work faster. Right. And so that's where the technology comes in. Te- is technology good or bad? Well, in that instance, it's good. Now, um, we still need to be safe around it, just like you would have to be with the natural one. Yeah. Because that natural chemical that kills the bugs is, ju- is just as poisonous for you. Right. You know? Um, when you really get down to the chemical formulation of it, it's about the same. And what it does to the bug it, 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 or to people, it does the same thing. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. But then we get to that irresponsibility part when you do, it's harder and harder to be responsible. So if you are doing a home garden, you can be more responsible with the, the chemicals in that. You can't affect, I mean, will you be 100% organic? No, because there's going to be stuff in the air. There's going to be right. stuff. And especially living by the farms, it's, it's in the air. Right. Um, but you'd be a lot more that direction than you would be. The bigger you get with the farm, the harder it is. To control it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's, I mean, how many people did it take to run a farm years ago? Right. And look at what we're doing today. And and we're just more and more on that course to go that direction with the commercial farming. Right. Um, And I I mean, good or bad, I mean, you can't feed this many people. Right. Without that. Yeah, it's definitely, that's definitely, you know, a, a discussion. And I kind of feel the same way about this stuff as I do the vaccines and pharmaceuticals and everything else. Like I remember I was on the phone with my girlfriend from California and um, we were talking about even GMO farming, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, oh. but is it, all right. And so, but, but that again, I don't like GMOs, but I can, but, I can but hear why? the argument, but why? Because they're genetically modified and they're, okay. they're not processed by our bodies the same way as the original. I would disagree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I know what the I know what they're modified to do. And And they're modified to to prevent pests from attacking them. Some of them. Some of them. Some of them. Most of most of the GMOs are so that they can't farm more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Most of the GMOs are for weed control. 
Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. So that's where the whole, like we said, we weren't going to get into it, but like that's where the whole glyphosate thing comes in. Right. When did we see the spike in glyphosate use? When In the 90s. Why did we see the spike? Because they came out with the GMO-resistant corn. So now they can spray the field and not kill the corn, but they can kill everything else. I know. So, but here's what happens. Like, and here's where the question, here's where my question is. So it causes non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, right? Supposedly. That's what they say. Supposedly. Here's my question. Why has the rate of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma only raised with the percentage of population, but the glyphosate is spiked? But if there it's was, not just that one disease. You, you talk about like all So is it, do, it might be doing other things. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, oh very well could be. I don't know. Yeah. But I've also seen a lot, most of the studies I see that come out with, for almost all chemicals, and this is where I'm very skeptical with the, the, the pharmaceutical side, is because the study, the science that they're teaching today is just garbage. The science that they're doing is garbage. I mean, going back to the COVID thing, where was the control group in this whole thing? There wasn't one. There wasn't one. <laughs> So how are you doing real science? You know what I mean? And what they're teaching, none of it's following the scientific method. And, and and if anybody knows, I mean, like, we don't, we're, it's not real, it's not real science. Yeah, well, and, and that even goes on to this newest vaccine that they have coming out. There, it was tested on 10 mice. Yeah. That's it. It wasn't even human tested. So. You, and what are the long-term effects of that? What is it going to do to us? So one of the things I end up having to study is like the, um, so we talk about like all those different kind of pesticides and that kind of stuff. Well, what I look at is, all right, what did they do? So what, how does this kill the bug? Right. Okay. Well, like for instance, like glyphosate is a good one. Everybody knows. Nobody knows what it does. All right. It's, um, it's an amino acid inhibitor. Hmm. That's how it kills the, the plants. Okay. And that's what I go into. So I watch as like these we talk about natural versus synthetic. The what does the nat what is the synthetic doing? It does the same thing as the natural one does. And so um for for instance, sodium channel inhibitor. It's the way our nerves work together. That's what a lot of the that, that's one of the ways that a lot of the pesticides kill the bugs. Hmm. Um why are why are the natural bad for us? Because it does the same thing as the, the synthetic does. They do the exact same thing to us. But the biggest difference, I think, is that the body can recognize it. Because it's not man-made. No. No? I disagree. No. When you get down to the molecular molecular level, the nerve is acting. The, like like a, lot of, a lot of pesticides are nerve agents okay. for the bugs. Okay, Because so, it, it, it paralyzes them. Uh, actually, a, a lot of them hyperact, hyper, ex, uh, cause hyperactivity in the nerves. Hmm. And that's how it kills the bugs. The bugs can't control the nerve responses. Oh, I kind of feel bad for them now. <laughs> yeah, I know. A lot of people do once they find out what happens. And it, and it, and it, and it triggers the nerves to just keep... And that's what ends up killing the bug. It's almost like a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're like arm muscle... Like the, the, your your brain sends a signal down the nerve for your arm muscle to flex. It flexes. Well, now the nerve just continually is, is telling it to flex, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Right. And that's what happens. But the natural, for instance, like what's in mums, pyrethrum, and the pyrethroids is what they call them, the synthetic ones. They both kill that bug the same exact way. 
And our body sees that stuff the same way when it gets into us. And it can affect our nerves the same way. The difference is, is that our bodies get it out of our system faster. That's why it's safer for us. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Now you can get into other. So, so a lot of the. So some of the. It's it's kind of cool because I, I I love the chemistry. I love the technology and stuff like that. And that's where it comes into being res- responsible with this stuff. Um, if you know what it's doing and why it's doing what it's doing, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this experiment with myself. I call it an experiment, but trying to see if I can handle like the anxiety without the medication. Right. Because I'm, I'm in a month from now, we may be talking, and I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm taking it. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't do it. And that's what it's there for. And and that's what it's there for. Yeah. Um, um, I would, I would say, I would personally lean more into trying some of the the natural solutions. Absolutely. Before going back on a pharmaceutical, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about like, could there be a process? Yeah. Check your blood levels, make sure you're exercising, you know, practicing, being grateful for things, establishing boundaries. I I think so, but I don't think it should be, I don't think it should be ingrained in the system. The system is always corrupted. Yeah. I think that it should be, that, that should be ingrained in our personal responsibility. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. So, so like going back to like the chemicals and stuff like that. Now there are ones that are 100% safe for people because, um, we don't have the organs that a, a, a bug has. Mm. Okay. So the, the chemicals can't do anything to us. Like you could eat them, you could do whatever you want with them and they don't do anything. <laughs> like one of the new classes that's coming out a lot, I shouldn't even say new, but it's a, um, it's one that's being used more and more is uh, a chitin inhibitor hmm. so chitin is the uh is it's what uh uh makes a bug molt so it uh, sheds its skin and then goes to the next stage so that is the hormone that makes it shed its skin and go from one stage of the bug to the next well with the chitin inhibitor it doesn't allow it it doesn't give it that hormone to do that so it never molts and it ends up dying because it can't live its oh. life stages well, you can eat that stuff it won't do anything to us because we don't we don't need chitin for anything huh. it can do <laughs> Oh, and I don't think we should. And I don't think, we, and, and that's where, like, once again, being responsible with it is the key. Um, and even with that stuff, as safe as what it is, you won't see me handling it without gloves, without the long sleeves. Not only, I mean, not only for us is it a legal thing, but I mean, um, I just won't do it. Yeah, like that's just stupid. Uh, and who knows? Like, like I was saying, like we were saying with asbestos, it was the miracle. Yeah, you know. And then they found out what it does. Then they found out what it does. And actually, I don't think they found out. I think they finally released what. They finally admitted it. But there's other ways to get people to do so, to do things. Like what you're talking about with like having it a system. Okay. Yeah. There, there's other ways of doing it besides making it like the rule that you have to do when you go to the doctor. Well, I, I don't like the rules. I guess that's not what I was really trying to say. Is I was just trying to say like. We're, we're just so quick as a society in everything to always, like, it's, it's always, like, kind of like a quick fix. Yeah. You know, like, and I don't think that, I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking of, like, sourdough bread in my brain right yeah. now, which is such a, <laughs> such a funny thing. But I went to a sourdough class recently, and one of the things she talked about is, like, somehow we went from biblical sourdough where it's like it's a process over you know a couple days where you make this bread and it 
then your body can process it so much better and it's so much healthier and it's more nutrient dense to let's just go buy a what used to be a 99 cent loaf of bread real quick and whatever and what they're realizing is like the slower process of the sourdough versus the typical white bread it's just not as good for you yeah and so we we've gone to the white bread in so many things in our society where if we would just slow it down not that white bread is bad not that pharmaceuticals are bad but if we slow it down a little bit if we go through the process because I found out through blood tests that I have chronically low vitamin D is part of everybody that. does well everybody in the midwest does maybe right. not chronically low right but every right. time i go in and i'm out in the sun all day exactly. <laughs> i'm like yep it's still low right and i also <laughs> you know like i I've, but is that but is that is that is that pill that you're taking the same as the sun no i don't i agree i mean I, so but how do you how do you fix the chronically low well i mean you know what I mean? I do a plant source vitamin D. I mean, that's like a whole nother topic. But what, but, 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 but that's where, where like like the difference is between person to person and almost having to know yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like where I'm kind of getting at with like the system is what I don't like is when they ingrain a system because systems always get corrupted. For instance, like we're talking about solutions. So everybody like we were talking about our house being solar powered. Well, yeah. everybody's trying to clean the environment and they're trying to force it on everybody. Right. Well. You know, there's other ways to go about it. Like, I, I, our house is solar pa- powered because I don't want to pay the bill. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, there's other ways to go about it. Like, uh, the thing is, is to getting people to follow that system like we're talking about. I don't know, like, how you you change society to go that direction. I don't I don't know either. And, I and maybe, just... maybe with the, the vaccines and stuff, that's what needs to happen. Like, another, like, polio endemic, uh, pandemic. And then all of a sudden, or whatever we call it. Is it a pandemic still? I don't know. Okay. Don't well, know. <laughs> whatever one of those it is. But maybe that's what needs to happen for people to realize that, wait a minute. We need to switch. We should probably be doing this. Wait, we need to get back into the middle again. Like yeah. I said, we started <clears> all the way to the right. We're like, we did everything without questioning it. I didn't question any vaccine that my kid had, except for I think I questioned the chicken pox one. Mm-hmm. But I think they still got it because I think the doctor somehow, some way, convinced me. But and, but don't but don't you think to an extent it's like, all right? So the parent, uh, like I have no problem with the parents making the decision. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, it, like some of these vaccines. I wouldn't let my kids go without them. Certain ones. Well, and this is what I'm saying. So we went all the way, we went from being all the way on the right where I got everything, I didn't really question it. So now we're all the way to the left where parents are freaked out. And I personally don't know what the solution is, but I think we somehow, some way need to find a middle ground. And that's what I'm saying in terms of like the mental health and stuff like that. Like, let's find a middle ground. But part, part of where I have a question is, is like, all right, so the vaccines. So, so a real vaccine actually protects the person who took it. Right. That's what a real vaccine Unlike does. Some of the, some of the other things that we're told. Yeah. But what what I don't understand. Okay, so what's the problem? Like, like the, where, where do you really see the restrictions with kids with vaccines is going to school. They can't go to school unless they have this vaccine, this vaccine, this vaccine, this vaccine. Well, if that person was just protecting themselves, then what does it matter if they go to school without the vaccine? The yeah. people who have the vaccine will be safe as can be. I mean, I don't want to see anybody die, but at the same time, I mean, let's, I mean, I feel like we're like society is on this path to try to avoid death all the time. Newsflash, <laughs> well, we will all die. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the theory. And I think that there's some 
discrepancy there where like I think there's so is it I mean it, yeah oh well, I know and then you get into it is it like abuse on the child and I, stuff like I, that and I don't know I don't know but there are religious uh, exemptions or whatever you know um, with the um, what's the what's the one the HPV but but then they I mean they, then they I mean it's it, I mean you look I don't know. What do you do? Lower the age of consent and let the kid design? No. I mean, what do you do? I mean, I don't know what you do. I mean, I don't know what you do. That's what I'm saying. I don't think we should do that either. But what's the, I mean, I mean, it has to be up to the parent. And, and I, I just think we should be able to make decisions for ourselves, kind of like what you were talking about with personal responsibility. But with, with freedom comes responsibility. I know. I know. And that's where, that's where you see it with the, the, the tightening down in the system is because we're not being responsible. I know. See, you guys, you guys see what John and I do. We go down these <laughs> holes, and we think we're solving the world's problems. <laughs> the last like forty minutes has been John and I spiraling, and I'm over here like I don't really like pest, pest, uh, pesticides that much. And John's saying this and whatever, and we probably should wrap it up a little okay. bit. But um, you know, that's that's what I love about John is that we can go down these. one of your gifts is that you challenge thinking and you're not and you're not doing it in a disrespectful way because sometimes people sometimes I feel like when I talk to people and I I share my ideas and they counter me they counter me in a way that's like makes me feel dumb you don't make me feel dumb but you are willing to be like like I like my comments about um, your body recognizing it you're like well no actually but you didn't make me feel dumb in that, and um, I appreciate that. So, well, I think we're like society in general, and this is what's leading us in this direction of um, irresponsibility: is that we're taught not to question. Yeah. And no, like I, I mean, my favorite, my favorite quote of all times is Thomas Jefferson. Which is what? Um, uh, with everything, sit reason firmly in her seat. Bring with bring to her tribunal. Every fact, every opinion, question with boldness everything, even the very existence of God. For if there be one, he must fer- he must surely prefer the homage of reason than of blindfolded fear. I love that. That's my favorite quote of all time, and that's what we need to do. And even when I mean, yeah, with everything, yeah, like like don't uh, don't believe anything anybody says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like look into it, figure it out, you know. And then I like what I like how Thomas Jefferson put it: bring every fact, every opinion. So you're looking at it from every angle, you know what I mean? And then you make your decision. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think that's a good place to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, John. Yes. Very thanks good. For being always, here. always fun. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you were inspired and moved today. Since this podcast is self-sponsored, I just want to take a minute and tell you about something that helps me to be an overcomer every single day. It's my favorite product from Soul Naturals called Cinemate. Cinemate is an herbal blend of just five ingredients that gives me all the energy that I need without the crash or shakes, balances my blood sugar, and gives me the clarity to get all the things I need to get done like this podcast. And of course, it's great for building up my immune system and digestive health as well. Do me a favor, go check it out at soulnaturals.com backslash Kristen and use my code Kristen to get $10 off your first order. That's soul as in S-O-L-L-E. Seriously, thanks for listening. It does mean a lot. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and send to a friend who you think would be blessed by it. And I'll see you next week.